everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 78 of the show, where we are in the final month of 1964. It's not the final episode of that month. But we, like, have six more comics to go, and then this year Mm -hmm. is done. Which feels good. It does. I don't know why. I feel like like we're never going to get through 1965. (laughs) I think about, okay, 1964 took us, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes to get through. Do we have it in us to go that much longer for 1965? I've never done a podcast that long, Mike. What? I mean, do you think we'll still be in 1965 when we hit episode 100, or will we have passed that? Yes. Yes. So that's that's a weird thought since this is 78. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But that's my goal right now, 100. Let's just keep pushing to 100, see what happens. That'd be fun. Keep pushing to 100. And then we'll be like, well, you can't stop in... April of 1965. That's weird. So now what? Right? Keep I mean, going. who does that? Keep going. Um, but tonight, December 64, December 10th, to be exact, of 1964. Second week we, of release. We Is it the second week of release? Because Yeah, we're at we're two weeks out of the month system. We got three superhero comics the first yeah. week and six superhero comics the okay. second week. So six is a lot more. Yeah. All right. Well, that is Sergeant Fury because we like to do um, release order slash chronological order. And Sergeant Fury is always first in the chronological order part. Uh, it's called Too Small to Fight, Too Young to Die. Yours truly gets to do that tonight. Um it's by one of the proudest dramatic efforts of Stan Lee writer, Dick Ayers artist, Steve Ditko inker, and Sam Rosen letterer. Um, and yeah, they do kind of like the effort on this one, I think. So let's see how it starts. It starts with them being in uh, uh, um, Britain, war-torn Britain, in one of those rooms where you like, you know, get code and stuff. It's got a guy with the headphones on, looks like he's doing a podcast or something. Um and they get they get information about an invasion. The uh, Germans have created this big force, and they're going to annihilate England. And it's like, oh no, there's only one way to stop it: Operation Deluge. And that's Sam's job to tell uh, Happy Sam Sawyer's job to tell Nick Fury and his crew what that means, because they have no idea. Basically, what it means is go to Holland, and you know how Holland is full of dams and dikes and stuff like that. You're going to have to flood one of them because that's the only way to stop this army. It'll flood the whole army. And Nick's like, yeah, but if we do that, won't that like, you know, ruin the people's lives who live there? Like maybe kill them and or wreck their water supply? He's like, right, it would, except you're going to go find a guy named Agent X. Or rather, he's going to find you once you get there. And he's going to tell you the exact spot to blow this dike up for minimum damage to Holland, maximum damage to the Nazis. So, okay, off to Holland. They go do their, uh, you know, parachuting thing and immediately, unfortunately, land in occupied, uh, some occupied city with a windmill because that's Holland. And Nazis go after them and they get into a big fight. Um, They actually lose, though. They're about to surrender when from behind one of the general's hats get blown off by a gun. The general assumes ambush and tells them all to retreat the germans retreat um only for the howlers to find that it actually wasn't a full-on army ambush it was just one kid and they're like wow you're impressive what's going on with you And he's like well he's a little dutch boy you know like the story i guess um it's like well my mom's dead and my dad's a big honking traitor so i'd like to join you guys if i could or at least help and they're like all right you're swell kid why don't you lead us to this 
city we're trying to go to to meet this Agent X guy. So the kid does. Um, then Nick and I don't remember who. Nick and one of them, uh, Dean, Dean Martin, um, dress up as fishermen and kind of just walk around the town in an attempt to attract Agent X because they figure if they're holed up in the place, how the heck is this guy going to find them, right? So they walk around. Um, unfortunately, Dean Martin is actually popular enough to where some teenagers in Holland recognize him and start asking for his autograph. And that draws the attention of the Germans who are occupying the town. And they try and attack Nick and Dean. They uh, Dean like pushes them in the water and the, all of them wrestle and they ultimately uh, uh, escape. Actually, thanks to help the girls, because the girls realized they'd be a bonehead move there, and they they lead the rest of the German army um, on a wild goose chase somewhere else. So that was kind of cool. Um, anyway, back at the uh, base, Dum Dum decides that they've been gone too long, so he goes out to look after them. Um, he ultimately finds them, and they all join up. It's kind of much ado about nothing. Um, but during that time, uh, they also see the Dutch boy's father, who is the mayor. And, you know, he laments and cries about how his dad's kind of being a traitor because he's driving around with a German. Um, ultimately, they can't meet up with this agent guy. Nick decides enough is enough. Um, and he asks Izzy, you know what? You're our, you're our team engineer, essentially. Why don't you figure out randomly where, to, where the perfect spot is on this dike? And we'll just go over there. And Izzy's like, okay, I'll try. But I really don't think that's a great idea. So they go over there. They infiltrate the dam, dike, whatever you want to call it. They get past the defenses. There's a lot of guards and stuff. There's a lot of awesome action. Um, the boy, they let the boy come along. But they also spend a lot of time protecting him. And he's like, ah, I wish I could be a real man and be a commando one day, you know. Um, ultimately, though... At some point, just as Izzy's about to pick a kind of random spot to blow up this dike, this guy comes out of nowhere in a scuba diving outfit and says, no, no, I'm Agent X. Um, I was supposed to meet you. Actually, you guys are like three feet off. Over to the left here, there's a tunnel. Do it right here, um, and then uh, uh, everything will be good. They do it. The thing, the thing uh, explodes. The water whooshes out. It drowns out the army. Everybody's happy. The scuba diver guy kind of mysteriously asks if the boy's going to be okay. And Nick's like, yeah, yeah, we'll find a place for him. And they all fly away. And the boy's like, boy, I wish my dad could be cool like that Agent X guy. And Nick's like, well, I think maybe your dad – well, I don't know. Yeah, don't don't judge a book by its cover, maybe. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And then that's kind of how it ends because I think they're insinuating that Agent X was his dad. But right. they don't really say they, or got, maybe they, they definitely do. insinuated, but they did not come out and say it. Right. But they have the same nose. Right. So it's Yeah, him. Scuba Mask Agent X guy had his face half covered. So it's like you go back to the pages and look at the eyeballs and the eyebrows of the mm. other guy to see if they match up. And sure enough, it's the same eyebrows. Oh, yeah. It's got to be the same guy. Because there is this scene where, like, the Nazi general talks to the mayor, who's supposedly a traitor, and mm -hmm. they get into a fight on the phone. So it's like... That's right before Agent X shows up. So it's almost like that's the bat phone or something like that. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that they never actually just straight up say it. Kind of reminds me of the Captain America issue. Same thing. Like they never like actually. They say his name was Steve Rogers. They never put two and two together and let Nick know that the, the blonde guy and Captain America are the same guy. Right. Well, yeah. that would mess up his entire Fort Lehigh private <laughs> Steve Rogers yeah, escapades. That, that, that very important setup that he has. Yeah. Right. 
<laughs> so um, I didn't have a whole lot of this. I thought it was funny that you know Dino Martinelli was getting Dean Martined uh-huh. and uh, bombarded by you know movie crazy girls. That was cool, and I like that uh, we get this glimpse into like occupied territory. You know, because they don't mm-hmm. normally normally they go straight into the heart of the bad guys, and this is like a country that's just been taken over. So there's still like people trying to live their lives and be you know cutesy teenagers and stuff as nazi troopers are walking around you know right so it's an attempt at attempt at life while their life is being ruined right um we got a mention of david niven on page nine david niven i know who that is yeah okay so it's just kind of funny story because like okay so page nine panel five i'm gonna see what's doing out there if i'm not back in a half hour come and get me extraordinary david niven delivered the same speech in the movie i saw last month Mm -hmm. dum-dum's got as much in common with david niven as i have with mickey rooney okay so a few months ago we had peter sellers get a mention Mm -hmm. he was in all the pink panther movies Mm -hmm. and now david niven who was also in all the pink panther movies as sir charles Lytton. oh yeah but he's older so his acting career does go all the way back to the 30s and he would have been known by these guys. They don't know at this time, though, that he will continue to be in films. And he will be James Bond in Casino Royale. He will be James Bond in the spoofy, yes, that spoofy, yes. non-official Casino Royale that's impossible to watch. Yeah. yeah. yeah have you ever watched the, that thing? I have. It is a bit difficult to get yeah. to. You are correct. Yikes. I thought that maybe if I knew more about James Bond, I would enjoy it more. Maybe not. I don't think it makes a difference. I think it's just really long and all over the place. But, hey, you got to watch it at least once, right? Right, right. So, um, not the Craig, not the Daniel Craig movie, but the other movie. The actual... The, uh, there are three Casino Royale films. So, of all the James mm-hmm. Bond stories, that one has been filmified three times. What I think is interesting about that one, not that we have to go on a James Bond tangent, is that one was the kind of the one that introduced this idea that James Bond is a title that gets passed from person to person. Because there's like five James Bonds in that movie because the guy dies and then another person becomes James Bond because that's kind of the joke, you know. Is that right after they had recast James Bond? Because that was 1967, 68? I don't know that, but I just know at some point it becomes like this idea like between that and Lazenby saying this never happened to the other fella, like is this just a title? Is this just a thing, like a secret name that you're given, a code name and it's different guys or is it supposed to be the same person? I don't really like the idea of it being different guys. Yeah, it's like just a, it's an interesting it, idea, but I don't know if I yeah. do either. It feels it feels too meta. Yes, very, and it probably doesn't um, work under scrutiny either. But but this is not the James Bond podcast. No, it's not. <clears throat> um, but okay, we don't have anything see. else to say about this issue, so let's keep talking about James Bond. Um, so anyway, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, okay. So one of the things about this that I thought was interesting is that usually the trope of a story is. Two random people have to meet. Uh So they go to the same building or the same city or the same state or even just the same country. Uh And magically they get to run into each other. Uh And this story kind of throws that idea out the window. Uh And they spend the entire story looking all over Holland, the Netherlands, for this agent X person. They can't find him. So they're like trying to lure him out. I don't know where he is. He's somewhere in this whole blamed country. And they eventually run into him right at the end of the story. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I kind of like the, the the whole, like, you know, they didn't really, like, spell it out either, even though they kind of did. But otherwise, it, oh, the, it's the, the Agent X thing. 
The Agent X thing, yeah. Like, I don't know. They really wanted it to seem poignant because of this kid. Mm-hmm. But then, like, other than being a sad sack, I'm not sure what this kid does. Well, one thing he does is stick around for a while. Oh, does he really? Okay. Yeah. I, f- I forgot what they said a- they were going to do with him. Just take him home, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. So he's the new Bucky for them. <laughs> he's the new mascot. And I don't remember at all what they do with him as far as storytelling goes, but he is around for a while. Yeah, he's like this innocent. He constantly has a tear. He did save their life, which was cool. Um, but he's yeah, they all, they all just like super love on him and feel bad for him. So it's like they're going to just take him home and keep him and care for him and feed him, I guess. And name him George. And name him George. Yeah. What is his name? His name is uh, Hans. Hans, of course. That was a little like on the nose with the whole Dutch stuff, isn't it? I don't know. Is that all <laughs> they're known for is blonde kids with clogs and windmills and stuff? I think so. Wouldn't I think it's true. Christmas time? Yeah. I should know because I'm a lot of Dutch, but yeah, I don't know. I've never been there. I think I'm double Dutch. Are you double Dutch? Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> it's like twice as much. But yeah, uh, you know, fun little story as far as um, as far as Sergeant Fury stories go. I thought it did pretty well. Um, but even though I'm enjoying reading these for the show, there's not always a whole lot to say about them. No, no. We got spoiled with that cap one, and now it's just kind of back to same old, same old. But that's war, okay. War, warfare hijinks. That's okay. Maybe maybe Hans will bring something to the table next, next time. And maybe Captain America will bring something to the table in Tales of Suspense 63. Maybe or maybe not. We'll see. So this is a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, on the cover, we have the origin of Captain America, the surprise sensation of the year from Mighty Marvel. Also, somewhere looks to fight with our with Iron Man. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Except that the Iron Man story is first, of course. So, um, have you the nerve to read this great Stan Lee story? Should we preserve these thrilling Don Heck drawings? Dare we observe this unique Dick Ayers inking? And do we deserve the impact of the Sam Rosen lettering? I don't know whether to die or to love that so much. (laughs) It's pretty fun. I like Um, it. Somewhere lurks the fathom. Phantom, 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 Phantom. All right. Um, so Iron Man's back, yo. He was off, you know, being with the Mandarin and hearing the origin story of the Mandarin because you know Tony Stark's dead right now, and um, he got blowed up really good by the Mandarin a couple issues back. So Iron Man comes back and Pepper and Happy are like, oh, hey. He's like, hey, been gone for a while. Aren't you gonna say nice things to me? They're like, um. We don't know you. We don't like you. And Tony Stark is dead. Um, also, by the way, this one, uh, Dr. Birch has been calling. He's the head of our new products division. He wants to talk to you. And I was like, fine, I'll talk to him later. Uh, I'm going to go to my office now and uh, just, you know, chill out. In his office, Tony uh, Stark takes off of his Iron Man costume. And he's like, okay, here's the thing. I figured out that if I jigamadrob the Hoosie what's this in my suit, <laughs> I can totally take it off and be Tony Stark again. So he does. He jiggity jobs the who's he what's this, and he is able to take off his armor. He takes it off. It's the two pods on his belt were the big thing. He takes those off, and he's like, okay, if I can survive for five minutes, I should be good. And he dies in five minutes, and the show's over. Sorry, yep. guys. The end. No more Iron Man. No more Iron Man. No more 2008 film. Um, so Tony Stark just walks out of his lab. Hey, 
What are you loafing around for? And they're like, oh my gosh, you're dead. This is not Tom Sawyer. You cannot walk in on your own funeral. Um, and Pepper Potts actually passes out. While he uh, Tony Stark catches Pepper, he notices that Happy is looking longingly and lovingly at her. So he decides that he's no longer going to stand in the way of these two would-be lovebirds. So once Pepper comes back to consciousness... And uh, he's like, I could explain everything, but it's going to have to wait because I have to tell you, I'm engaged to be married. And they're like, what? And Happy's like, yes. So um, they're like, yeah, that's why that's why I was gone. I, I've been hanging out with my my uh, my fiance, which doesn't really work with the continuity. But we'll talk about that later. Um, and so the news goes over the loudspeakers of the, of the uh, factory. Anthony Stark is alive. Everyone's like, yay. And the police are like, yay. And, um, Mr. Birch is like, oh, hey, Mr. Stark, you're alive. I was coming to talk to you. He's like, never mind, Birch. I got stuff to do. I'll talk to you later. Find me sometime next week. And so Happy and Pepper start dating. And then a mysterious cloaked hooded figure starts raiding Stark factories because that's the thing that happens in this comic a lot. And they don't know who it is. It's a phantom saboteur who is messing up Stark factories using Stark technology. And so after this happens a few times, of course, we get the usual chorus of the army's going to pull their troops out. The government's going to pull their contracts. The union's going to pull their employees out. You're going to, you know, your entire business is going to go under if you can't stop these sabotages. So um, Iron Man, you know, he he works, he tries to find it. And finally, one day he sees the Phantom up in the rafters. He's like, I'm going to go after him. Um, he does not succeed, though. He he, he tries to du- get what he, he thinks is the Phantom. Turns out it's Happy. Happy also is trying to get the Phantom. Anyways, there's uh, shenanigans. There's fighting. Iron Man and the Phantom fight each other. Finally, um, something like uh, the Phantom launches some sort of missile or bomb or whatever. Iron Man catches it, catches the Phantom, unmasks him. It's that guy who kept getting shunned and put off, Dr. Birch or Mr. Birch or whatever. And he's like, yeah, Stark wouldn't even talk to me. So I just wanted to be noticed, thought I'd blow his stuff up. (laughs) And Tony Stark's like, yeah, that was dumb. Go to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 Iron Mans. The end. I would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you nasty shellhead. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is the second time, and I could be wrong, the second time we've had a villain who ended up being someone who just had a gripe about Tony Stark. And in both cases, he was like, oh, well, your actions are stupid. Go to jail. Which I kind of like. Like, Tony doesn't care. and doesn't feel guilty about, <laughs> you know. Any sort of mistreatment on his part that could have prevented any of this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just well, a, just a little character beat of arrogance there. There was the um, the Jack Frost guide. I was actually just watching the Marvel superheroes cartoon version of this story. Um, Chapanka was working for Stark and that, messed something up. It was going to get arrested, and Stark's like, you know, I could have you deported, but I'm not going to. You just need to go and. You know, live a new life and don't get cold feet over stuff. And he's like, cold feet? You just gave me the idea of a lifetime. That's right. Yeah, that's probably who I'm thinking of. Who was a little more interesting than this guy, but... Mm -hmm. The lurker, like, like they're trying to come up with a theme and he lurks. and But it's like, okay, but what is he really? He's just a guy, kind of, with a purple thing on his head. He's an Ant-Man villain. 
He's an he might as well be hold. Yeah, he might as well be holding up like uh, like shops and doing protection rackets. And he stuff. really, yeah, that's exactly right. They should all get together and form a group, the mundane villains or something like that. <laughs> the mundane mad balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mundane madmen. Yeah. Um, weird coincidence time. This storyline with um, Tony Stark getting trapped in his costume and dying and all that stuff mm-hmm. started in issue fifty nine. I was hoping you when, figured that out. Yeah. 59 to 63, and we had Captain America start in 59, oh. and we're getting a new version of the Captain America strip in 63. Oh. So that's that's kind of a weird coincidence. So we went four, yeah, four issues, that's all? It seems like it was more. That's still a lot, though. Four-issue subplot mm-hmm. for 1960s? That's not bad. And yeah, four-issue continued story is a pretty big deal right now. And, you know, the solution was kind of just like, oh, I had an idea one day on how to triple my transistor power. This is great. So, like, he didn't really earn it or really try and figure it out. It's just like, let's get this over with and be done with it. But I did like page three, like all the panels and making it happen and the sweat and the, am I going to die? Yeah. That was fun. That was good stuff. Yeah, it's one of those things where they had a uh, they had a plot idea, a story idea to sort of throw some drama and something into the mix and... You know, it's interesting as long as it lasts, but then at the end of the day, they just, you know, wiggle their fingers and make it go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there was nothing plot-wise that helped him develop this thing. He just thought of it. But speaking of this storyline and how it's played out, mm-hmm. remember how um, he was trapped in his costume, so Iron Man was taking over, and then Tony Stark revealed that he was sick, and Iron Man was just, like, watching over him while he was sick, mm-hmm. and they televised the fact that he was sick and so mandarin bombed his house yep because he was sick there and it was mm-hmm. like tony stark's dead because he was sick mm-hmm. at his house for a long time and died yeah and tony stark's like no 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 i was on a boat <laughs> i know that is a little like was- loosey-goosey isn't it i was on a boat with this hot babe you don't understand <laughs> Don't pay attention <laughs> yeah, to they, the previous three issues. They saw him in the bed. Remember Happy did? <laughs> Happy did at least, yeah. Yeah. So does he think that was like a doppelganger now or something? I don't know. I don't know. That is a little lame. But at the same time, he is standing there alive. So what are they going to do about it, right? I don't know. They could have questioned, yeah. I guess. Also, this told, this idea totally wouldn't work now with cell service everywhere. Mm-hmm. So like, I was on a boat and couldn't get to a phone. Although maybe, do you have phones on a cruise? Because you're far away from the towers. You have a radio at least, right? Oh, at least, yeah. I like how on page four they add these two security guards who hate Stark also just to give us some Scooby-Doo options. Yeah. Well, I like it because of just the general dislike toward Iron Man at this point in the story. That's true, too. It also was world building in terms of, like, nobody trusting him and stuff, but... I wonder if that's going to continue because remember, like, one thing I remember about early Iron Man is, like, there was a scene when he had his old gold costume and he got – his armor got taken over and everybody was like, that can't be Iron Man really doing bad things. Something must have happened to him, you know, because everybody trusted Iron Man because he's a superhero, like, unlike, say, Spider-Man who would never get away with that. But uh, now it looks like Iron Man's favor is is swinging in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah, he does not seem to be that beloved right now. And everyone, you know, all of his factories getting bombed does not help with that. Of course, that's not Iron Man. That's Tony Stark, but still. Yeah, I guess maybe because if you never know who this guy is and he's always hanging around and only Tony knows him. And yeah, I guess I could see how that would get irritating after a while. Who is this guy? So I was willing to say it was Birch from the word go. 
the guy Birch getting shunned and shunned and shunned. I was like, oh, I bet you he's going to be the Phantom. Yeah, I, I, I would love to admit that that's what I thought, but I actually just don't even think I tried to figure it out. So <laughs> <laughs> I was just moving along. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. So Tony gets the idea that he should just get out of the way of <sighs> Pepper and Happy. And, you know, it's a little bit of melodrama. Mm-hmm. He decides to just, you know, go his own way. But of all the Silver Age melodrama bases we've been given, at least this one is Tony Stark trying to be a good guy. Yeah. I mean, heaven forbid he open up and communicate with these people and have a conversation. But at least the shrapnel in his heart is in the right place. He's been reading Daredevil comics. Yeah. It's actually the same note because Matt is like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pine for Karen because I'm blind. And he's like, I'm not going to pine for Pepper because of my heart. Now I never know. Oh, you're right. I never know if he means like he doesn't want people to see his chest and therefore reveal that he's Iron Man. He has no way of being naked in front of her without revealing that he's Iron Man. Or does he actually think that this heart of his is only going to last like another year or something? I think it's both. I feel like it's both. Yeah, because I think he's had those thoughts before. Like, he doesn't know how much longer he has to live. With That was that was the note they gave us in the origin, at least. Mm-hmm. That he never knew when his heart would give out or how long the plate would last to keep him alive. But also, he can't take off his shirt and go swimming or snuggle with a girl or whatever. Right. So, I'm hoping more of the latter because, like, he could just tell Pepper he's Iron Man, then we get that over with. But if he actually thinks he's only got a couple years to live, then that seems kind of fair to not you know, pursue her. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony starts like Birch. Why man? Why you? He's like, I couldn't even get to speak to you when I wanted to. It was always later Birch or when I get the time Birch, I want to be noticed. I'm like, sorry, I was too busy being back from the dead. Yeah. Right. That was the entire plot of Iron Man three, by the way, that's where they got that from this, this issue. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So the death of the, the Mandarin killing him two issues ago. And then this issue, this is Iron Man three. This is Iron Man three. Yeah. They got, what was his name? Um, Frick. I don't remember. He started AIM, right? Y- Killian? Killian. Yeah, yeah. Something, something, something Killian. presumptuous. Killian, yeah. yeah. So he got all upset because he got stood up. So same thing. This is him. This is the precursor to Killian is the Phantom. Yeah, it's like Aldrich Killian or something. Yeah, like Aldrich Killian. I think that's exactly what it is. So a little, little uh, last panel He says, um, well, I accomplished what I wanted. Pepper was giving me up because of my engagement. Now Happy's free to try to win her for himself. The Phantoms capture everything's fine. So so why is my heart so heavy? And I'm like, well, your heart has pieces of metal in it. (laughs) Yes. very. That adds weight. Very literal. (laughs) How about about Pepper just seemingly like, oh, well, I guess if I can't have Tony, I might as well date Happy. Well, I think she's had a chance to get close to him. I, th- I, think I honestly so too. think her attraction to Tony has backed off. Yeah, I actually kind of think like this is a natural progression because they've been so working close together to figure out this whole Iron Man thing. Mm-hmm. So it actually kind of worked for me. It wasn't just like a you know a badly written female flip flop. It, it works. I like it. Yeah, I think his thought balloon is actually a bit presumptuous. He's like, now that she believes I'm engaged, she's behaving differently towards Happy. They do seem in love, and I'm like, I don't, I don't. I don't think it's just because you're taken. I think that like, yeah, they have changed. I think you haven't been noticing them because you're too busy squirreling yourself away in an office. Right, right. All right. Well, that was actually a pretty solid Iron Man. It was like, yeah, the Phantom itself was dumb, mm-hmm. but like everything else about that story was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. 
And the Phantom was even that dumb. It was just kind of pedestrian. Yeah, it's just like you're never going to see him again. So who cares about him? Yeah, yeah. Until Iron Man 3. <laughs> Until Iron Man 3. Destined to become the most honored series in the Marvel Age of Comics. The origin of Captain America. Told by the two men in all the world who can tell it best. Joe Simon, writer. Jack <laughs> oh, Kirby, illustrator. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, that's right. This isn't Joe Simon. Oh. Well, it is. Yeah, it really is. That's true. Yeah. Stan Lee Ryder is just rescripting what Joe Simon's already done. Barely. Ugh. Yeah. Inked by Frank Ray, who I believe is Frank Jacoya in disguise. Lettered by Art Simic, a great new Marvel blockbuster. Reintroducing Cap's sensational sidekick, Bucky Barnes. Now, before you, now, now before you summarize this... Mm-hmm. Couldn't we just skip that and say, everybody go listen to episode 45? So episode 45 basically had this exact thing in it. <laughs> right. Um, I can't believe that's episode 45. That didn't seem like that long ago. Wow. Anyway. Right. 30 episodes ago. Whoa. So this origin has been done and redone, and it, it always has so many of the same elements. And this was the first Marvel superheroes cartoon episode mm-hmm. of Captain America. So like, I just watched this recently. Mm-hmm. I just watched the first week of that show. Sweet. So the first Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, and Namor. I just watched the first episode of each of them. And you know, they're great. Everybody always talks about how cool those songs are. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> Captain America is the only good song. No. And Iron Man's is the only other one that could be called a song. I really like Hulk, though. Hulk is words chanted to music. It I'm is trying not to remember a how song. it goes, and I can't remember now, but I remember liking it. <laughs> Dr. Yes. Banner, pelted by gamma rays, turns, turns into, into the Hulk, Hulk and glamorous. That's hilarious. Anyway, <sighs> I don't, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I can't even remember Thor's or Submariner's, but... Yeah, yeah, they're not good. Tony's has the snapping. Hulk's, Tony's has the snapping, and Hulk's is at least kind of kooky and fun. Yeah. But Thor's and uh, Namor's are, are, are not great. Uh, Anyways, also, my son really likes that cartoon. Because it's awesome. Like, it's in watching it with him, I'm actually kind of digging it. I can, like, totally see the appeal of this thing from, you know, like, 40 years ago or 50 years ago. It was one of the few things Anyways. we Marvel people had, you know? So you mm-hmm. had to just enjoy it. And I remember enjoying it. And yes, it's very, very cheeseball and that. But it also, in a way, it's cool what they did because, like, they're literally taking it off the comics and, and animating it, sort of. So I don't know. It's neat. Uh, interestingly, Hulk and Iron Man and Thor are able to take stories from, like, a long history of comics. Captain America's is a bit shorter. Mm-hmm. But Namor's comic had only been going for a year at that point. Mm. So those stories are mostly made up for the cartoon, as far as I've been able to tell. Certainly the first episode was. I'm going to have to watch first Namor. episode was made up for the cartoon. I don't think I've seen a lot of the Namor ones, if any. So I'm going to have to check that out. Okay. So Origin of Captain America. They're looking to make uh, Super Soldiers. Uh, President Roosevelt gives the green light on Operation Rebirth. So a speeding car goes to a curio shop on a shabby side street. There's an old woman with a with a pistol on the inside, and they give the password, rebirth shall occur this night. And she's like, great, let's go downstairs. So they go downstairs. 
there's all this uh who's he what's this machinery and gadgetry and she's like finally i can stop being an old woman and she takes off her old woman face and she's this beautiful young woman underneath and um, they're like bring in the volunteer and this unknown scrawny blonde dude walks in named steve rogers he drinks the steroids and turns big and muscular and they're like wow drugs work and this guy walks in no heil hitler and he shoots steve rogers but dr erskine the guy who makes the potion jumps in the way and takes the bullet and steve rogers who now has all these big old pectoral muscles oh uh he uh punches the guy out the guy runs the machinery makes it explode he's like oh no now i'm the only one who will ever be of my type so he puts on a costume wears a flag and starts fighting a bad guys captures a spy ring stops some saboteurs prevents a damn explosion um i mean a, a damn explosion sorry dyke um yeah he rides a motorcycle, really cool, looks really awesome, beats people up with his shield. But then he also disguises himself as Private Steve Rogers in the army at Camp Lehigh. And Sergeant Duffy is yelling at him because he's such a nincompoop. And um, the camp mascot, Bucky Barnes, is walking with Steve Rogers one day. Tell me how awesome Captain America is in the headlines. And so he was like, yeah. Who needs Captain America, Bucky? You've got me, haven't you? And Bucky's like, <laughs> what a guy. You're always clowning, Steve. So um, then one night, Bucky Barnes walks in on Steve because, you know, they're late night rendezvous that they have. And he sees Steve Rogers turning into Captain America. Holy smoke, it can't be. Well, you know what this means? I'm going to blackmail you unless you make me your partner. He's like, well, I guess you're my partner then. We're going to call ourselves Captain America because I have a secret code name and Bucky because you don't. And so um, Captain America and Bucky start going out having adventures. Now, the 1940 version of this origin story stopped there. We actually get a little continuation of their first mission together. They go out to the shore and there are these Nazis offloading supplies onto a raft and they jump in and beat them up and stop them from offloading the supplies onto the raft. And instead, they put a bunch of explosives on the raft and send it out to the ship, the destroyer that was supposed to be catching all the supplies. But instead of catching supplies, they catch an explosion. And Captain America and Bucky are going to be doing stuff like this for a long, long time. Thereby making Captain America number 321 completely bonkers. Because What happens in 321? He kills a guy and feels really bad about it. For a long, mm. long time. Really? Yeah. And when I was a kid, I ate that up because it was like, yeah, he's a superhero. They don't kill. That's a big deal. He just shot somebody. But then as you get older, you go, that makes no sense. He's that makes no Captain sense. America. And he throws rafts full of dynamite at battleships and kills hundreds of people sometimes. So mm -hmm. that's weird. But anyway, yeah, that was just an 80s superhero thing, I guess. I guess. Um, we've talked about this origin. This will be the third time now in a way. Not this exact issue, but this origin. Didn't we have Michael Bailey on to talk about this particular rendition of the origin? We didn't get this far, or I didn't get this far with you guys. I know that, but uh, okay. but or we were. Going but it's to have pretty much the same origin, so it's like the the points are all still there. And we talked about it on this show already, also. So I was thinking more like maybe we could talk about the differences, if any, or. From the context of 1964, as you're a kid now reading this versus 1941, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, a lot of it's the same, what? but. There's one really notable difference. Okay, go for it. 
In the 1941 version or 1940 version, it's an injection. Yeah. So now he drinks a potion and a big Bunsen tube or beaker tube or whatever it's called. I think that was like a political choice. I think there was some aversion to having him receiving an injection or something like that. That is a good idea. I like it. Yeah. So that is a big one. Another one is there's no FBI presence. I believe in the Golden Age one, J. Edgar Hoover stand-in was there as the head of this operation, this Project Rebirth thing. And now it just seems like the army. Yeah, I think he was in the conversation with the president. He was he was standing there. They didn't call him J. Edgar Hoover. They called him like J. Edgar Doover or something like that. But I made that up. But just it was so obvious that it was supposed to be him. And it was an FBI mm-hmm. thing because he was created to to deal with attacks on American soil, which he is in here too, I guess. They talk about enemy agents in the U.S., but he also goes right to war. So that's different. Okay. So I've gotten Catch America Comics number one open uh-huh. so I can make some comparisons here. Okay. Um, in this version, the president asks, how are y'all coming with Operation Rebirth? And they say everything's ready. As soon as the chemical is finalized, we're good. Um, and in the original version, they were just talking about the problem. Right. And how would they wish they had like a special force of some sort? And the president brings in J. Arthur Grover, Grover who has the idea and the plan. Yeah, so it's like an FBI plan. The army had no idea. Mm-hmm. So because it was going to be American soil, you know, fighting. And now it's like, in hindsight, no, we created him for the war, and it looks like he's in the war. But I don't know because he's also at Camp uh, whatever, which is U.S. Right, mm-hmm. but. These extra pages that you're summarizing seem like foreign soil, or is that them attacking the United States? I guess they're attacking the United States, aren't they? Um, it says... doesn't say, or um, does it say? It No. This was a Nazi sub I sided offshore. So theoretically, he could have sided it offshore from Camp Lehigh. So they're saying Nazis, so like, Nazis are attacking the U.S. and entails a suspense, I guess. Yes, or at least, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're working in the U.S. Yeah. But it still just seems more war-oriented than the the Golden Age stuff seemed like it was all just him fighting vampires at home, basically. And Mm -hmm. this, right out of the gate, he's fighting Nazis. Nazis that are invading. Right. So so they're turning it more into Cap is World War II, not just weird Golden Age tales. Which seems seems to have been like a very deliberate choice on Mm -hmm. the part of Lee and or Kirby Mm -hmm. that if we're going to revive Catch America, we're going to take him a bit more seriously. Yeah, which I like. Sure, he's a superhero, but in in the World War II stuff, he was in the World War II. Yeah, I don't need Fiddler magicians. I mean, it's cool that he's fighting Nazis in his flashbacks from here on out. That works for me. Um, Another difference, he doesn't have the Triangle Shield, which... They will use as like a way to indicate how early days it is sometimes when they flash back with him. Uh-huh. But in this case, like he's already got the round one even before Bucky discovers him. Um, I think pretty much any other flashback, it would be triangle. But they're just like trying to pretend it doesn't exist, I guess. Yeah. So for those that, that who don't know, Captain America had basically a triangular shield um, is- for the entire first issue. Yeah. So for all three or four stories of that first issue, he had this one shield and then – there was some concern that it bore too much resemblance to the look of the character, the shield uh-huh. over in Archie's pep comics. And so they changed it to the round design starting with issue two. So like, like you said, sometimes they'll point to the use of the triangular shield as saying, Hey, this is really early in the career, but in the silver age retcon version, which is the earliest, which really is, is yeah, this is now the first modern telling. This is, this is the real origin now. Mm-hmm. 
He never even had it. He never even had it. Was, it. it was circle from the beginning. But they'll give it to him again. So I guess you could just right. say some of these adventures take place on day three. I don't know. You could figure it out. But it was just interesting that they didn't. They wanted to make it seem like it never happened. So they're using Operation Rebirth. And I've been reading Image Comics, and we have Project Born Again. Mm. For what? And Project Born – well, it's this – they haven't really gotten into a whole lot of detail because, you know, it's Image Comics. But um, – Dead agents are brought back to life, and they're basically animated corpses, but they have all their personality and mind with mm. them. Somehow they don't rot, but but yeah. So it's a weird a weird twist of the project of the Operation Rebirth thing. So speaking of Operation Rebirth, page four, he explains, and by he I mean the stand-in for Albert Einstein. Uh, mm-hmm. What do they call him in this? Um, if they call him Erskine, they if they name? call him Erskine, that's the first time because he was Reinstein in the Golden Age. Remember Albert Reinstein? You're right. They do call him Erskine. Okay. It's on it's on the third panel of the so page. So they got rid of the whole Albert Reinstein stand-in thing, and then eventually this right. will get retconned that that was his code name or something. His real name is Erskine, which is apparently this issue first time we heard that. But he says, um, if we succeed, he will be the first of an army of fighting men such as the world has never known. His reflexes, his physical condition, his courage will be second to none. I'm pretty sure they said he'd be like super smart in the golden age too. And they dumped that, which kind of makes me a little sad because I like that he's supposed to be brainy too, but until his stature and intelligence increase to an amazing degree, yeah. mental and physical ability will make them a terror to spies and saboteurs. Yep. The uh, the intelligence and size are hand in hand. Yeah. So just a little nitpick there. But you know what I was really thinking about when I read this is um, I think like I know why they're doing it. One, of course, like you said, up until now, we haven't even heard the name Steve Rogers, I don't think. Since he came back, um, I, I've I've said that I've said that before. We have heard it like twice, and like two other issues. His first Avengers issue, where he's just like hanging around. I'm sorry, his first solo story, where he's hanging around in Avengers Mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks at a uh, uh, a photo album. Okay, that's of right. Steve Rogers. So it's like this is Captain America's solo series. And look, remember how he used to live at the camp at Lehigh with Bucky? I'm Steve Rogers, right? But, okay, so you figure Marvel's getting more and more popular. It's the Marvel age. They're hip. They're happening. They're they're recruiting younger kids, probably, fans, who are liking mm-hmm. all these that weren't around during World War II. Maybe they have dads or something that remember World War II, but they don't. So now it's like, okay, let's give the kids Cap's origin because they may not know, right? And that makes sense. But And I guess what they're probably doing is recreating this – almost panel by panel in some ways because it makes for a quick production because they're going to do this with the the next issue is going to be another golden age story. So it's like right. it writes itself. It's did, already written, right? <laughs> uh, and I don't know exactly how they make their plans because at this point in the development, their plan is to tell golden age cap stories in the solo mm-hmm. book for a long time. Yeah. So I guess – I understand that they want to just be like, okay, well, here's the script for that one. Let's just redo it a little bit. It's fast. It's quick. Let's get it out. But at the same time, it's almost a missed opportunity in a way because like now they know how to do more drama and they know how to make characters that are more interesting than the golden age tropes. Like we got Spider-Man, we got Daredevil, even Tony Stark, like having problems and not liking being superheroes and, you know, uh, uh, motivations and things like that. But then here we just get, Enter Steve Rogers, you know? So it's like they're mm-hmm. not going back to the drawing board. They're not being like, 
let's retell Captain America's story in a more 1964 Marvel way. They're just doing it like, let's just regurgitate Golden Age. It's interesting because, yeah, Steve Rogers is a complete unknown. Yeah. This story is not from his perspective. He doesn't speak. He has never spoken. From 1941 to right now, he has never spoken before he turns to Captain America. <laughs> right. We know nothing about him. And so in some ways, it's like, like again, I get why they're doing this and they're just trying to be fast probably and honor the old ways and all that. And that is kind of cool. But it'd be like, wouldn't it be cool if they just went back to the drawing board and, and did a, a retelling in a, in, a, in a more like, you know, original way maybe? What was Steve Rogers? Who was Steve Rogers? What was he doing? How did he get into this program? Why does he want to be in this program? Well, the only thing we know about him is he he uh, volunteered for army service, but was refused because of his unfit condition. Right. But that's the golden and age we version. Also, does it say that in the modern? Yes, it does say the 4F thing somewhere. It says, too sickly to be accepted by the army on page four. Chosen from hundreds of similar volunteers because of his courage. So when did that happen? What was the courage? How did they figure out the courage? His intelligence. Did he take a test? And his willingness to risk death. Why is he willing to risk death? You know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we get that stuff eventually, but I feel like Cap in particular, maybe just because he's the hero's hero square jaw guy, like it takes a while before people start telling us about his parents and his upbringing and his friends or lack of friends and and his motivations. You know, he never gets the Peter Parker thing or the Batman thing or. So the film kind of takes both. It does the whole, you know, 4F mm-hmm. rejected from serving the army. Mm-hmm. But it also does give us a chance to see mm-hmm. his courage, his intelligence, and his willingness to risk and death, his friendships, all those things, his bad, his right. bad relationships, and his lack of parents, and all this stuff. Yeah. So all the stuff that's just like said here, we are actually shown in the film. So if anybody's out there listening to this right now, going, "Hey, yeah, I'll recommend." There's this miniseries that came out in the '90s called "The Adventures of Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty," and I'll recommend about. Two and a half of those issues, I think it tanks eventually. Mm-hmm. But the first issue in particular is all about his life. Not all about, but like how how he got into the program and how he he earned the right to risk his life to be Captain America and all that stuff. It's really, really good stuff. That's kind of like my headcanon whenever I think about how Project Rebirth worked. Um, and I think they borrowed a lot of elements for Captain America First Avenger with that in a way. So – Check that out if you never have. I haven't read that since the early 90s, but I remember really loving that first yeah, issue. Yeah, the first issue was great. And then, anyway. It's interesting. We don't get Captain America's version of Detective Comics 27 through 37. Yeah. Like, those adventures existed, but we never get them aside from retcons and flashbacks. We go from origin to Robin. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. How long was he Captain America before Bucky? Must have been long enough for Bucky to read about him. Right. Yeah. There's lots of headlines. Well, because, you know, Golden Age-wise, what they're doing is obviously the entire bungling Steve Rogers concept. I think you and I have talked about how it kind of is irrelevant and pointless most of the time. And we never did understand what the point was other than they're trying to ape Clark Kent and Superman like everybody was. And, Mm -hmm. of course, throwing – like that always seemed like a tactic tacked on thing at the end like oh we need to give him a robin real fast too because robin's popular so the end of his very first issue his very origin not first issue first story in the first issue out of five stories or whatever is like this last page of oh and by the way you have a bucky and it's always been like that because they're trying to copy batman so superman batman highly influential on all golden age characters 
Just a bit. Yeah. Just I love bit. that panel, though, where he's like, boy, if I was a Nazi, I'd have to shoot you. I just love this. I, I picture, like, Cap squeezing his hand harder as they shake and Bucky, like, laughing nervously. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm not a Nazi, though, so I'll let you live. Right. If I've always felt like it was a little blackmailing. It, yeah. Like, you have to make me your partner now. Yeah. And uh, it's also, like, a weird logic leap. Like, do I? Can't I just... I mean, presumably, as Cap, he works for the government somewhere. So can't he just report Bucky to the government and the government can make him go away or something? You know? Right. Why do I? Except we find out later that Bucky's whole presence here was a government plant. So. Yeah. So then later, Brewbreaker decides to agree with you that it's weird and change everything. But that's another day. We'll never get to that. No. No. We definitely will never get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean. It's fun. It, it, we couldn't stop though without mentioning the fact that some people really did not like this origin oh be- like because of the drugs um i think it was just because okay so there, there were there were two aspects there was the drugs mm-hmm. there was just you know some potion some actually they call it a chemical some chemical here that makes him catch in america they expected something a bit more dramatic and also um i'm sorry i blended my sentence there there was the fact that it was a, a a drug and a weird chemical. That was one thing because that's very steroid-ish. But also the fact that it's just not very dramatic. It's just not a very interesting, like you were saying, Steve Rogers story. Um, mm. If you read the letters columns about three or four issues down the road, there's some discontent with this origin story. And, his, and Stan Lee's justification is like, we didn't make it up. That's the way it was 20 years ago. And then they say, but it says Stanley Ryder. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> okay, so people in 1964 didn't like this story. That's what you're saying. Because right. people in 1941 didn't like it either because he was being blatantly attacking or, you know, punching Hitler and stuff. And some people weren't on board with that back then. So either decade, you can't win when you're Captain America's origin, I guess. Not always. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on the origin issue? No, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I mean, we've got past the whole tales of suspense. Let's prove that Cap can fight things. So now, now we're going to do regurgitated golden age stories for a while so <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts till we finally get some like you know character development i guess well that really doesn't last very no. long um they do this they do the o, uh sandu and omar mm-hmm. story but that's the only other golden age regurgitation that happens then they go into the red origin of the red skull which never happened in the sure. golden age so we uh, we are we are definitely moving into this is what i call the third phase of captain america's return to comics we had um, his revival in Avengers 4, uh-huh. and we had the start of the suspense run, and now we have this. Yeah. And there's one more phase that we need to get through before actually Captain America actually has his own comic actually <laughs> Right. Final. Yeah. He's been jumping through a lot of hoops, but we'll get there. We're getting there. We're, we're cooking with gas. Speaking of his one of his phases, we have to uh, cover that tonight, too. The Avengers. Number 13. Mm, yes. Um, because you'll gasp in amazement at the most expected, unexpected final panel you've ever seen. Ah, I'll agree with that one. Um, even the world's mightiest crusaders find themselves helplessly trapped within the castle of Count Nefaria. Um, and what am I supposed to say? I'm supposed to say rather exceptional story by Stan Lee, somewhat distinctive art by Don Heck, fairly compelling inking by Dick Ayers, moderately clear lettering by Artie Semek. Two Don Hex tonight. Um, it's called Trapped in the Castle of Count Nefaria. It starts with these guys who are stealing rugs, really expensive rugs, 
and the Avengers break it up because, okay. Um, then it cuts to this club or this group called the Magia, Magia. I don't know what it is. Magia. Magia. Magia which is like. It's like mafia with it's a G. Like, Magia. It's like a gang. Um, and they're all evil looking. And they're like, oh, man, the Avengers broke up our rug racket. So now we got to talk to the boss. And to talk to the boss, they do this weird energy circle thing that communicates or beams them. Or I don't know what it does. It beams their image to him, but I don't really know if that's actually them or just an image or whatever. But anyway, the guy reports to this very European-looking guy named Count Nefaria and tells him, oh, man, the Avengers, they, uh, you know, broke up our rug thing. And he's like, I'm going to banish you from the Magia. And he's like, no, not banishment. That's like death. And he's like, well, my name is Count Nefaria for nothing. Anyway, he then decides he needs to stop these meddlesome Avengers. So what's he going to do? He has a plan. And that plan comes into play the next day or whenever. Jan is reading the paper, and she finds out that the famous Count Nefaria is moving his ancient castle to America stone by stone, which he does for like the next three or four panels. Then it cuts to the next day, after all that, and he's going to open the doors to the public to create a charity or, you know, all the proceeds. I guess he's going to do a cover charge or something, and all the proceeds are going to be donated to charity. And he really hopes the Avengers come. And the Avengers are like, well, we're superheroes. We can't say no to charity. So they go, along with Rick and the team brigade. And he's like, oh, you're here. Welcome. I'm very suave and sophisticated and Dracula-like. Come in. And I have a room for each of you. You can go your separate ways and freshen up before all the real crowd gets here. So they all go to these rooms. But these rooms have weird, strange lights that make them kind of sleepy and unfocused and basically traps them in, uh, like, suspended animation or something like that. And while they're in there, Nefaria goes to his Nefaria cave and has, like, this cool tech that scans them and he can create just like that guy who talked to him earlier that he banished. He can create like light versions or something of the Avengers. So while they're all in stasis mode, not realizing time is passing, he sends the Avengers to the Pentagon and has them tell everybody we're the Avengers. We're superheroes. We're powerful. We're taking over. Ever seen Superman two? That's us. And they're like, they're like, uh, we don't like that. We're going to send the army after you. He's like, go ahead and try. And they walk away. So that, of course, creates this big stir in the U.S. And, like, the papers publish Avengers declare war on U.S. And, like, all these armies and militaries and generals are upset and, you know, creating an army to take the Avengers on. Meanwhile, the real Avengers this entire time have no idea this is happening because they're in stasis mode. They think no time has passed. But also while all this is going on, for some reason, Rick and the team brigade have been waiting in the lobby and the, the entire time. time. So like for six weeks now, they've been waiting in the lobby and it's like cap said to wait here, but I'm starting to think we should be disobedient. And so they start looking around and then some thugs grab them and throw them in the dungeon. Eventually the Avengers are released. Not that they realize they were ever captured. They wake up, they come outside. Nefaria is like, well, you know that whole charity thing? I'm sorry. They actually bailed on me. Can you guys come back tomorrow? <laughs> and Iron Man's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll be there. So as they're leaving, they're attacked by the army. And they're like, what? What's going on? Why are you guys attacking us? But of course they fight them. So now we get cool panels of Thor attacking tanks and Iron Man attacking tanks and jets and uh, Giant Man putting tarps over, you know, jeeps and stuff and cap throwing a shield at soldiers and they're really 
going at it. And then eventually the, they all kind of figured out based on newspapers and radio that the entire world thinks the Avengers are trying to take over. So they're going to attack them. So it's like, well, this is weird. What happened? I don't know, but let's go back to the castle. So they go back to the castle. Um, meanwhile, at the castle, I should say, Rick and crew are trying to contact Iron Man, but little do they know that his receiver has been broken somewhere during that military attack. Nefaria doesn't like that, so he puts them in this cage that has all these weird circular discs, and if you touch the disc, you're stuck in perpetual suspended animation forever, and he has the walls closed on them so tight that they can't move. They're not touching the discs, but they can't move, so they have to stand really still. They're sweating, and it's hard, and their legs are getting cramped. And meanwhile, the Avengers are trying to get in. These same discs are planted everywhere, so Thor gets suspended. Giant Man touches Thor, and that makes him suspended. I think that happens to Wasp, too. Iron Man tries to ram through the wall, but he gets suspended. So Captain America is like, well, these people are all touching the wrong thing, so I won't touch that stuff. And he, he oh, boy, he uh, lassos his shield around the top of the castle with a string or something and swings swings Mm -hmm. into the castle without touching any of the walls he beats up all the thugs he frees rick and the teen brigade um but then he gets captured but it doesn't last long because iron man or because the teen brigade frees iron man and iron man breaks through the walls and all the other avengers join in and they stop the thugs, and they stop Count Nefaria, and they bring the cops. And Count Nefaria is like, well, I didn't actually do any violence, did I? Huh? And they're like, yes, you did. And they arrested him. And all is well that ends well, except they turn around and go, hey, this entire last five pages or so, we haven't seen the Wasp. Where is she? And it turns out, at some point during the fight... She got shot, and Rick is holding her in his arms, and they're all gasping because she's going to die. And then it tells us the end. To be continued. So, Cliff, Cliffhanger in the Cliffhanger Avengers. Avengers. Wasp was going to die. Really sad. It's an unexpected last It was. Panel. I did not see that coming, especially since they didn't show us her getting shot. But Or, or, or actually anybody getting shot. There were no guns. I, I was wondering that, too. Was that just the thug guys? Like, I don't know. Uh, the thug guys say specifically, if we can just get to our gun closet, but then they don't. They get caught in a net. So, no one had any guns. <laughs> there was no shooting. Well, darn it. This story makes no sense then. Forget it. Let's not. Well, it, Wasp got hit by a ricocheting bullet that didn't exist. It probably bounced off of her women's intuition, because that's a thing that exists in this story. Maybe, uh, you know, when they battled the U.S. Army, there was a bullet that just has been ricocheting this entire time. And it finally, finally Jet, cut up. It was ricocheting the entire time that the team brigade was waiting outside. <laughs> this definitely has some time element problems like we find in a lot of these comics. <laughs> like It so does. Like there are a couple of times, <gasps> like a couple of times this comic where I'm like, wait a second. Uh-huh. Are you telling me that multiple days haven't passed? Because I sure thought they yeah. did. If not weeks or months. or Yeah. yeah. So ostensibly nefaria or nefaria which by the way count nefaria that was his name i know so he has to be evil right he has to be evil um he captures the avengers and just while he has them in the room 
he goes and ruins their entire reputation for the entire nation and gets a whole lot of newspapers printed and the government is able to make a decision to fight the Avengers. Martial law is declared. Armies roll through the streets. And then he lets them out. Yes. A couple Instead hours Instead of just later. slitting their throats is what you're saying? Well, I'm saying that like all that oh, goes well, that by too. in just like a couple that hours. Too, yeah. I forgot to mention. It's a really I forgot, weird but that- time. Your point also brings up that why didn't he just kill them when he had them? But I forgot to mention that this whole time, he's all anti-violence. He's a villain who's anti-violence. Like, he wants everybody else to do the work for him. That's his big pat on his own back, that he's going to have the army kill the Avengers for him. Because that way, if he doesn't do it, he hasn't done anything wrong is his justification. So weird. I I feel like this is a little bit of a commentary on, like, mob bosses and organized crime because that was always the kingpins thing too right is that he didn't actually do anything Mm -hmm. himself nothing could be traced back to him um yeah and i don't know how much of this is based in just like fiction tropes of the day or if there's some sort of link to actual reality and you know news but this idea that organized crime not only is organized across the country, but that, that organization reaches back into um, unnamed European country that definitely might not be Italy. Mm-hmm. How many days or weeks or months or years do you think it takes to ha- have move a, a castle from from Transylvania to uh, America by ship? Six months. That's it? Okay. That's, that's cool. At least. I thought it would be like at least 20 years and then... <laughs> they should all be a lot older by now but you're just thinking of american <laughs> oh i things. see okay i think other places tend to get construction projects done a bit more quickly right. than we do. i could be wrong yeah yeah time is weird in this <sighs> um cats america gets to shine but he does things like use his shield as a boomerang around that castle yeah, so I didn't describe that well. He says something like he pulls out from out of nowhere this nylon string thing he has, and then he hurls it all the way to the top of the pointy castle, and it kind of like lassos around like a batarang. Which, you know, come mm-hmm. to think of it, how does Batman's thing do that either, for that matter? But at least that's boomerang-shaped, I guess. At least it has the word ring. <laughs> right. So Captain America's shield ring uh, spins around the thing, and then he somehow can swing through an upper window doing that. It's a little weird. Also... Also, Iron mm-hmm. Man being stuck horizontally against the wall by just his hands is a little weird too. I'm not. I'm thinking Don yeah. Heck is not a great Avengers artist. Not my favorite. It always looked. It Maybe always not. looks a little wrong. He's probably better with the more individual types books, like than team books, because it's always a little weird in the art. I remember the Wonder Man story bothering me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is an okay issue. Like I know that eventually Count Nefaria does more interesting things than this, but. Uh, I, well, I don't he, know. Yeah. So the Magia uh-huh. becomes like a staple in the background of the Marvel okay. Universe. But Count Nefaria slash Nefaria, um, he... Okay, I think of him as when X-Men gets relaunched and they have like their first ongoing mm-hmm. story, there's a two-parter where they go up against Count Nefaria and um, John Proudstar mm-hmm. dies. So that's Nefaria's fourth story okay. in all of comics. Uh-huh. He has this story, he has an Iron Man story, he has an X-Men story in the original series, 22-23, and then nothing. Ever? Ten oh, years. Yeah, ten years. Until that X-Men story where he's, you know, where John, where, where is it Warbird? It's not Warbird, it's Thunderbird. Thunderbird, Thunderbird. yeah. Thunderbird dies. Well, and, by, and at some point, he's just a different character altogether anyway, so. 
in terms of his concept. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if um, it's, it's a weird story because the Magia, which is just the mafia with a G instead, it feels street crime. It feels, you know, crime bossy. It feels just like they're, you know, trying to make money off of stolen goods because that's what you do. And so the Avengers are going after that, which is a little bit weird, but at the same time, I can also kind of dig it a little bit. Yeah, I was reading page two and immediately, I like, I still love that line a little below our pay grade uh, from Homecoming or whatever. When when mm-hmm. Spidey asks Iron Man to help him out, he's like, that's a little below our pay grade. Because it's like, it did seem weird that they're dealing with, you know, carpet stealers. Like, don't they have something else to do? That's a Daredevil yeah. or Spider-Man problem, kind of. Yeah. Thor, yeah. Thor dealing with a guy who's stealing carpet. It's like, come on. Thor, you have other things to do. You must. Your dad is up in heaven right now waging war. <laughs> Can't you be helping with that? I don't know. Um, but overall, I I, eh. I don't dislike the story. It actually kind of works pretty well. I think that the, um, the mechanics of it get in the way, but the idea of, especially if you picture the MCU versions of uh-huh. these characters, walking into the Pentagon yeah. with all of their powers saying, hey- we're uh, done. And Iron Man's there and he has his armor and he has his repulsors. Thor's there with his wizard beard braids and his, you know, lightning invoking mm-hmm. hammer. And Captain America's there, you know, Captain America. And they're like, yeah, we're taking over now. I can see how the normal people in suits will be like, um, how are we going to yeah. stop them? Preludes to Squadron Supreme. Taking right, over the world. Right, right. I do like that aspect. I just, the time stuff is wonky, but it was fun to watch them like take on the army and stuff like that, showing off their mm-hmm. powers and, and all that fun. Oh. And at first, they're like, this must be bad guys dressed as the army. And I also liked the little nod to the Fantastic Four that I skipped over in the summary. Like, they want to go fight the Avengers too. And the thing says he really wants to tassel with Thor. And I'm thinking, haven't, did the thing in Thor fight before? Well, they all were kind of fighting around the Hulk at some point, weren't they? But I don't know if they literally fought each other. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I feel like the two big strong powerhouses should have fought. I kind of like that they did the whole, like, this is a shared universe, so let's address why the Fantastic Four aren't helping us stop these evil Avengers, you know? Because they've decided Mm -hmm. to make that illegal for right now, I guess. Interesting. It was all right. You know what? I feel like we should mention... I was just going to say, it's weird that I think what I'm doing is just waiting... For the change for the roster change up at this point, <laughs> it's like I'm done too. with these guys. Let's shake it up. Let's do something different. I don't. I think I know what because 14 resolves the whole wasp thing mm-hmm. being sick. Uh, 15. I think I know what happens there. I think they go after Doctor Zemo, and then 16 is the change. Yep, three up. more issues, and we'll have a new team. Yep. Um, we should mention that Hank is in his old costume. Oh here. yes, I was. Which chronologically puts this before the Astonish issue from last week. Um, or was it the Astonish issue from last month? Was Astonish in the first week of December? I think it was. I don't know, but I, was, yeah, I wasn't sure if that costume was going to survive that issue. So I wasn't sure. Yeah, it will eventually show up in Avengers 2 just before okay. they leave. Um, but I'm guessing that they made the decision to change his costume for that Astonish issue after this Avengers issue was mm-hmm. already in the works. So the two-parter is going to leak into the next episode, the next issue, which means that also takes place before Astonish 65, and then we'll catch up. Well, we've also had Iron Man in like the last three issues, and and only one of them did they comment that he killed Tony Stark, so 
Like they don't, yes. it's not quite yeah. gelling with the solo stuff, but that's okay. Yeah. It's not too far out of yeah. whack. I mean, there, there are storylines now where you'll have to move, you'll have to shift a comic two years in order to get it to line up with a gap in the storytelling from the other characters <laughs> yeah. series. Yeah, so yeah. it's just, yeah. All right. All right. That wraps up. Says that Avengers. wraps up three issues in the show, but not the month. So three more to go, right? Three more to go. And so while we're talking about that, should I just talk um, about that? Or do you have something else you want to say for her? Yeah. What, what, the, the next, next three are going to be Strange Tales number 130, where uh, Doctor Strange is thoroughly beaten by Mordo and Human Torch and the thing become Beatles. Fantastic Four. You heard me right. Beatles. Fantastic Four number 36. We are introduced to the Frightful Four which is awesome. And Amazing Spider-Man number 22, he fights people that aren't really that hard for him to beat, the clown and his masters of menace. Mm. But I think it's a good issue anyway, so y'all should read it. Even it's even, even though physically it's not that dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just looking to see. All right. Our followers, we've passed 400 followers, Wow, Mike. cool. That is very right? cool. So I just want to say out there to hello, I think we stopped with Space King Bobby, um, World War 395. We also have at Nick Poncio. We have Kung Fu Hillbilly at Dork. When you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression, which is one of those quotes that I really, really like. Brittany is following us. I don't think it's Brittany Spears. It's another Brittany. Mm. But when it's just Brittany, like you assume it's mm-hmm. the other one. Um, anyway, she is at Armida80. We have Penny50. Uh, we have For All Mankind SF, which is a new podcast on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, uh, which is partially run by Rob Kelly. So they're adding new podcasts to their network. And this one is dedicated to DC's classic Super Friends comic book series. Um so that should be good. If you want to find uh, that com- podcast, go to Twitter at For All Mankind SF. And finally, Comic Book Joe is also following us on Twitter. So I want to say welcome to all of y'all out there in the Twitlands. Thank you very much for your support. Do please retweet and all that other good stuff. Yeah. Where, um, where can they, they find us? They can find us, us at makearsmarvel.com you'll find the links to all the things that play podcasts you could also just search make ours marvel in all the podcast things like itunes or google play i guess or stitcher um i'm an iphone user in case you guys haven't figured that out so i don't know anything else besides that but i'm pretty sure it works everywhere else and if it doesn't or if you just want to give us a comment or a question or suggestion or love or hate, you can email us podcast at makearsmarvel.com or use the contact form on the website. On Facebook, we've had likes from Brian Torres, Nick Fun Nuggets Poncio, Charlie Niemeyer, hey. who's a podcaster in his own right and does quite a number of podcasts <laughs> about 80s geekdom and all sorts of other stuff like that, and Michael Donner. So thank you out there in Facebook for the support. I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics. My Transformers show is not out yet, but it is on Twitter at tra- um, I forgot if I said <laughs> say Transformers podcast. So no, it's at TFUK yes, yes. podcast. And my Image Comics podcast, All the Pouches, can be found at All the Pouches. 
Um, the December episodes are coming soon. I need to sit down with my daughter and record some coverage of The Max because that's going to be another episode of that coming soon. And um, then the, oh, my tweet blog for The Scarlet Witch at Let's Talk Wanda is about to start getting a bit more active mm-hmm. because we're going to have Wanda stories on oh, yeah. the regular again yeah. pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. More regular than she's ever been. Okay. Which, uh, I'm just going to leave that there. Um, (laughs) On that note, until the world turns against the Avengers again, because they've been replaced by aliens, make ours marvel. Marvel.